This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on this show coming up are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. This is Dan Sung with Subversity coming up. Stay tuned. This is the midst of our 40th anniversary fund drive, so you can go to the KUCI dot org website and click on fund drive and get more information on the premiums that are available for you should you contribute to helping maintain or uh, keeping this station on the air and shows like this we'll be talking with some uh, director th- again this week and also this show and also with an actress who stars in her own film, the film she wrote. So stay tuned for Subversity, coming up. You're listening to Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, today we're going to be interviewing an actress who uh, wrote and um, wrote her own part in this new film uh, on um, a party girl who maxes out her credit cards. Uh, welcome to the show, um, Grace Rowe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, why did you, um, maybe first of all, wh- what, is, uh, wh- what other films have you done? And um, uh, what, uh, th- this is your first, uh, your second starring role, huh? In a major yes. feature. Yeah. Right, right. This is, um, really this is the first feature that I wrote and produced and starred in. And uh, I did another film called American Soul, uh, spelled S-E-O-U-L, like Soul (laughs) Korea. Mm -hmm. Uh And that was a short film that I wrote that was based on a feature film that I wrote. And it was about uh, young Asian-American girls living in Los Angeles. And um, I couldn't really find the financing for that film because, you know, there was not a lot of Asian-American stars who were young that uh, could really you know, um, require the money that I needed to finance the film. So I got really frustrated because we met with a lot of studios and we met with a lot of different companies who were really interested. They loved the script, but they just didn't want to back the film. Mm. So after about two years of sort of going around the town trying to find money for that film, I got frustrated and I wrote this script, which is a story that I knew that I could, um, you know, produce myself. I wrote it cheaply, and I knew I could produce it myself, and and that's how um, it became I Am That Girl, which is what the title is of the movie. And uh, did you grow up in America? I did. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Orange County, actually. So right. I, <laughs> yeah. It's Home nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I grew up in a small town called Stanton, which yeah. is... You know where Stanton is? Oh, yeah, good. Okay. definitely. Most <laughs> people don't know where it is, but if you live in Orange County, you probably you may know where it is. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, but I was born in New York. I was raised in Orange County, and I actually, I, um, I'm Korean, and I haven't actually gone to Korea. I didn't go into Korea for the first time until I was um, until I guess 2000. So, yeah, which was a which was a really great trip and an eye opener. <laughs> so, what was it like growing up here? Well, um, it's interesting. I really, you know, I all I can say is growing up in Orange County, if it wasn't for my friends, I don't know how I would have survived because I sort of was very uh, an antsy girl. And I, as soon as I got my driver's license, I was always driving up to Los Angeles, going to clubs and, you know, trying to get into clubs that I was you know, too young to get into but still found a way to get into. Um, so I was... Uh, I, I was sort of, I had different personalities. I was a beach girl, but then I became kind of a club kid. And so, um, but, you know, it's, it's good. I think it's a good way for me to grow up because I, I saw a lot of different things which shaped who I, who I became now. So. And Stanton is actually quite close to L.A., so yeah. it's probably closer to L.A. than uh, other parts of Orange County. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. that's true. Closer than Irvine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, sure. a little bit closer, yeah. <laughs> So was this uh, party girl idea from your own experience? Actually, no. It was a story <laughs> from a... <laughs> I know you would think that after telling you that story, but actually um, my friend, um, she, I, I met this girl, and she was, used to go out every night, and she was in her 30s, and I was so surprised because I was just so, you know, that she had the stamina to go out every night and drink and party and stay up late. And I asked her one day, I said, how do you do this every night? And she told me that, 
when she was about uh, 17 years old, her, her mom died, and she had to take care of her three younger brothers and sisters. So she really lost her childhood, um, mm. she felt like. So as soon as they were old enough to take care of themselves, she moved to Los Angeles, and she sort of tried to regain her childhood by becoming this kind of crazy party girl. So, <laughs> so uh-huh. I took this story, and then I took another story of... Um, one of my relatives who in her early 20s had a massive amount of credit card debt um, from just buying designer clothes. Um, you know, a lot of Asian-American girls, they like to spend money on, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton and things like that. Well, she was one of those type of girls, and I just, I, I couldn't imagine. She wasn't, you know, she worked in retail. I didn't know how she paid for this debt, and she was probably close to $100,000 in debt already. And I sort of took those two stories and combined them and, and, and developed some other ideas and, and, and decided to tell the story. I was really interested in, you know, America's obsession with credit cards. And um, it's interesting that now it's just coming to light now that we're in so much debt. I mean, we've been in a debt for a long time, but all of a sudden now it seems like finally we're starting to hear more and more about, you know, how bad uh, in debt Americans really are. I think I just refinanced. And that's how I pay off, paid off my credit oh. cards. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> that's really smart. Yeah. I don't know if it's that smart, but um, as long as the you know your house value is still high, then right. it's okay. Right. But, I mean, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> Whatever you can do to get out of it, because I mean, really, the the credit card companies, you know, they a lot of them are you know really doing some criminal behavior and it's it's sort of like you know who would have thought that you know a company could charge you know up to 30 percent in interest rates you know it's it's really um robbery <laughs> yeah and especially if you take uh, cash advance and oh, they don't uh, they don't credit it to your balance they just pay it to you know they don't lower yeah. your principal basically they just keep, right yeah so then you never catch up yeah, yeah. and it's, it's um crazy when i started hearing stories on the radio about you know, families all over who that's how they actually pay their rent or that's how they go grocery shopping. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's um, it's sad. I think that Americans, we, you know, we're uh, at some point, we think that we can live uh, this sort of upper middle class lifestyle, but I think a lot of people really can't afford it. And um, and it's, it's, you know, we're in deep trouble now, obviously. So um, I think it takes a lot of rethinking about how we are as consumers and what we are, you know, do we really need the things that we buy? I think a lot of it we don't, you know, uh, yeah. we don't need, but we're sort of, you know, meant to believe that if we buy these things, then, you know, we're part of, you know, society in a certain way and, you know, uh, people will look at us a certain way, definitely in Los Angeles especially. Now I live in L.A., and that's another inspiration is that, you know, seeing people with their fancy cars and everything, I couldn't help but think if people, some of these people, maybe they couldn't really afford it, but they really just uh, wanted to project that image that they could afford it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But a lot of them are probably living at home still <laughs> with their moms. <laughs> I like the scene where you, uh, where you actually pack some vodka, in the, oh yeah! In the bottle, and then the the guy you go camping with, uh, go hiking, with, uh, empties yeah. it and puts water in, <laughs> in the bottle I instead. <laughs> I would be so upset if that happened to me. Vodka is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. That's another part of the story. You know, is Maxine's addiction to cosmopolitans, and as much as that sounds fun and everything, I mean, it, the truth is, is that there's a reason why she drinks, and there's a reason why she shops, and. You know, she's really trying to escape um, her past, her tragic past, and the fact that she sort of abandoned her family. Um, she has a lot of guilt about that. And I think that if you look at, you know, most reasons why people um, have certain addictions, whether it's shopping or, you know, alcohol or drugs, usually it has to do with something that, you know, happened in their life that they're trying to escape. And, um you know, for some people, it could be as simple as their job, which is sometimes, you know, people don't have, people are really unhappy with their job and their life, and so therefore, you know, as soon as they get off work, they're drinking or something. And I've certainly fallen into that trap before in my past. And in the so film, I could, re- yeah. I could relate to that, you know, um, but it's hard. It's, you know, we, we, you know, we have to fill the hole somehow, this, you know. We try to find a way to, you know, make us feel better about whatever condition it is that we're in, so... Definitely. Uh, in the film, you show the uh, uh, annoying co-worker uh, who's yeah. always trying to get vacation time from her. 
Right. Uh, so she can yeah. go off with the latest date. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's um. That was a really. I'm glad that you brought it up. And not a lot of people bring that um that sub character up. But you know, uh, uh, we had to cut some other scenes of um uh, regarding that character out because we had to cut down the length of the movie. But really, that represented um you know this idea that a lot of people are very jealous and bitter of other people. And certainly, I felt that way. You know, in my own life, oh. I've been. I find myself, you know, sometimes um, bitter that somebody else about somebody else's happiness. And I think it's interesting because if I analyze the times that I'm, you know, that I feel that way, that I'm jealous or bitter, usually it's because the things in my life are not going so well. Yeah, so yeah. I really wanted to, you know, focus on this idea that the reason why Maxine doesn't like her coworker, you know, even though the girl is annoying, um, you know, there's annoying people everywhere, but the reason why she takes it so personally is because she's so lonely and she's so unhappy that this girl represents, even though it's fake and phony, she still seems to be happier than Maxine. And she just, you know, she wants to do everything she can to sort of, you know, take that away from her. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people, they don't recognize that maybe the reason why they're feeling the sort of anger towards other people who are happy <laughs> is because, you know, they're so deeply unhappy themselves. <laughs> so. And the job definitely drove her to get away, right, in yeah. the film. Uh, <laughs> why did she pick the Sierras, you think? I mean, you, um, you tried to, why did you, why did I, you know, yeah, I, why did you pick? <laughs> yeah, why did I pick the Sierras? I, you know, I grew up going to Yosemite um, when I was younger, and uh, when I was about, um, every year my mom would take us to the mountains. She was sort of trying to make up for the fact that um, my parents were divorced, and we never had, like, a grandmother because her grandmother was in Korea. So she took uh. us to the mountains um, every year to make it seem like we were going to, like, a grandmother's kind of tradition, you know, which was really sweet. And I grew up going there. And I really fell in love with nature from a very young age, and I knew that someday I'd want to make a movie there. And um, also, one year I, you know, one year we had the cabin already reserved, but my mom couldn't go, my sister couldn't go, so I actually ended up going. And I was supposed to go with a friend, and she had to flake out, so I, I ended up going by myself. And it was a good week by myself, probably when I was about 17 years old. And yeah. um, and I really, I took the time to just be in nature, and I and I, I tried to uh, paint again, which is something I didn't do since I was about six years old. I brought like a canvas, and I was trying to oil paint. It was nothing good. I mean, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't recapture my my painting instincts. But but I did realize um, after hiking out there and just being alone out there that I I really was humbled by how big and beautiful the world was, and it just seemed like all of my problems all of a sudden seemed very you know minuscule in comparison to. Uh, the world out there, and it really made me humble, and I felt very, very small. And I thought, you know, this is a really good lesson for me, because no matter what it is out there that you think you need or you think you want, you know, there's simple, simple things in life that really kind of bring you back to what's important in life. You know, because in the city, you get sort of wrapped up in all the things that you want and, you know, the things that you're trying to uh, to get, whether it's, a, you know, a career or money or whatever. It's very easy to get wrapped up in the everyday stresses of life. But there's something very calming and uh, meditative about going out into nature and, you know, and, and that's what the story's about. You know, she's wrapped up in all of her problems and all of her longings and her obsessions and and she's, you know, she goes to the mountains for the first time and she sees the beauty of nature and she falls in love with everything and she, she, she's brought back to the innocence of her childhood. And um, so that's why I wanted to put that in the story. I, I really wanted to show the, you know, the real difference between the Los Angeles sort of crazy, chaotic lifestyle, you know, in comparison to the really quiet, peaceful, serene mountains and, you know, how that can change you. I think you definitely captured that well. Um, and your character, the character you play in the film, uh, is totally un unprepared, actually, for hiking in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's like, where's a dress? And she's like, <laughs> I mean, she doesn't know what she's doing, really. Yeah, she doesn't. She thinks that she's like, for some reason, she thinks that she's going to go out there and they're just going to like stay in the cabin and then go out to these restaurants in the woods and drink and party. And she's really trying to like get him to like her, she, you know, and so she dresses in these like, ridiculous, uh, you know, like 
summer dresses and things like that to yeah. go on a hike. And, um, and people always laugh at that. I had a really fun time. I, I wanted, I actually, I dyed my hair pretty light for that movie. It was, um, it was a three, you know, it, it actually it was like a six hour <laughs> process to dye my hair that light. And somebody asked me, they said, why did you dye your hair so light? And I said, you know, the first time we went to Yosemite and we were doing some test shoots and we were just kind of rolling around with the camera, seeing what things look like. The director had me on camera, and I had really black hair at the time, and it looked pretty natural. And I said, no, 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 Maxine has to be completely unnatural in this environment. It has to be like, what, you know, like, who is this in the woods? You know, sort of like seeing, uh, like, somebody wear fluorescent colors in the woods or something. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to really show how how out of place she was, you know, in this natural environment and how sort of, you know, super, seemingly superficial she is. Um, I say that because I don't think that she's superficial, but on the outset, you know, a lot of people are hesitant to watch the movie because they think it's about a really shallow girl. Uh, in yeah. truth, you know, she's a, flaky, yeah. flaky girl or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so. she actually learns a, a big lesson up in the mountains, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Without yeah. giving away the story, but uh, right, I know, I know. I, I, we don't want to give away the story. We want people to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> is is it opening theatrically? I know you played at the yeah. uh, L.A. Um, Asian Pacific Film Festival last week. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, right now we're actually seeking distribution, but at the same time, I'm doing. You know, the state of the independent uh, film economy is really difficult, and unless you have you know, some pretty named stars. It's very difficult. And even then, it's difficult to find theatrical distribution. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're really, I'm, I'm very prepared for that. And I've sort of prepared myself to do some hybrid distribution is the term that people are using now, which is sort of half self-distribution and then half going out and trying to find other means of distribution, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Blockbuster, whatever. But um, really trying to do both but retain my rights so that some, some certain rights, DVD rights, that I can sell from uh, my own website. So pretty soon you're going to be able to purchase the DVD from my website, which is um, IamThatGirlMovie.com. And, uh, you know, you can join the mailing list, and then I will keep you updated when we're going to do that. But it will be pretty soon, I think, that I'll at least be selling DVDs from my website just to offset, try to gain back, you know, the money that I have lost and now in credit card debt for for making this movie. So, <laughs> so you maxed out your credit cards, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I am that girl. That's the, that's the real ironic thing is that I became that girl. And, um, you know, I think a lot of independent filmmakers have, have to sure. end up doing yeah. that. And it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where I, I never thought I would become that person, but I have to say I just, I wanted to make the movie so bad, and, you know, the funds that I had from the people that helped to make the movie, which was mostly my family, you know, and friends donating here and there, um, I still had to put a lot of it on credit cards, so what a drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a new uh, model, right? I, we had, last week we had a guest from another film that was showing at the, uh, one of the two directors we interviewed, and he, uh-huh. he also had the had the same idea oh. of selling DVDs online yeah. at the same time. It's That's kind right. of a DIY kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's sort How, of following the MySpace kind of where the musicians... Right. Musicians, uh, yeah, he was mentioning. That's right. Yeah. It's really about taking control and finding your market. For example, um, there was a, I, I learned this model from a guy who made a movie um, which was a really obscure uh, Buddhist, <laughs> oh. a film noir movie and it's funny because he you know he went to festivals but he couldn't sell the movie and so what he ended up doing was he uh, was trained in internet marketing oh. so he learned how to build his website and then target his main audience which he targeted a lot of people who are interested in meditation and yoga and you know Buddhism and within the first two days he made he sold like 40,000 DVDs wow. it was incredible that so many. It, you know, wow. Yeah, it was incredible because he did so much of the prep work of really finding all of his audiences. I mean, nowadays there's blogs and newsletters for every interest. So, um, so I think it's possible. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of legwork. Um, but I do believe there's an audience for this film, and I think that it's just a matter of, you know, even being on a show like this is so helpful, you know, because I know that, you know, UCI, there's a lot of Asian Americans out there who are listening and who think, 
you know, gosh, I, you know, I wish that there were more Asian American stories. And, you know, this story is not per se like about Asian American identity, but it does star an Asian American actress, and it's, you know, which is, I think, refreshing because you don't see uh, too many Asian Americans or even, you know, Asian actors on the screen. So, um, really, that's the main reason why I got into um, being an actress is that when I was young, I'd watch the TV and I'd say, gosh, where are all the Asian faces, you know? So, I... Um, I really became interested in doing that, and it's to me, it's it's almost a, a political thing as well as a fun thing, obviously. Yeah. But um, but it's my way of you know trying to get out, get it out there and break stereotypes of Asian Americans. Um, so anyway, I'm sort of sidetracking, but the point of the matter is is that I, I do believe there's an audience out there. Um, and so it's just a matter of getting that audience to know about the film. So oh, I think the internet yeah. is the best way now. It's, for sure, for sure. Right. What was the reception at the showing last Friday when you showed it at the Sunset Five? Oh, it was great. I, it was such a great reception. People really, really responded well. You know, I had guys coming up to me telling me that they were bawling. <laughs> I love that. You know, I love that when uh, this one guy, he says, I, didn't cry, I haven't cried like that since The Notebook. <laughs> and I thought that was really cute. So, I mean, uh, people, I think people really laugh. People cry. I think they're not expecting what they get. And I think that that's what's really refreshing is that people think that it's going to be something else. And, um, and that's what I have always wanted. I've always been really interested in films that make you laugh. And then, this, you know, split second later, you're, you're crying. And it's uh, because that's sort of how life is, very unexpected. And, um, and that's what I was going for. So I think that we had a great reception. Uh, we also played in Oregon, which is called uh, the Disorient Film Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was a great film festival play at, too. And, um, we're just looking forward to doing the festival circuit all around, um, you, know, you know, the United States and even beyond. I would like to play in Korea even um, and try to get into some festivals in Asia. That would be great. So, oh, yeah. We'll see. The reception is different there. I don't know. Koreans have their own fantastic films, and I don't think that they're as interested in, uh, in Asian-American oh. films or issues. Okay. But, um, but still, it oh, would yeah. be neat to go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. That's great. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate thank you so it. Much. And good luck on, you know, on thank the reception. Thank you. And um, please tell you, all your viewers, check out the website, you know, www.iamthatgirlmovie.com. Join the newsletter, and, uh, and we'll keep you in touch. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, with us is another person from that's whose film showed at the Asian Pacific Film Festival, and uh, that's the film um, Tireless Mountain by So Young Kim. And welcome to the show, So Young. Thank you so much. Hi. Uh, this is Dan Sang with Subversity here on KCI. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. <coughs> yeah. Um, uh, maybe uh, you could start off talking about um, how you got into film. Uh, just some background uh, information. <laughs> sure. Um, I got into film because I was studying, actually, painting and performance art at um, Chicago, Art Institute of Chicago. And then um, I just started doing these short experimental films. And then uh, what happened was my husband was working on a film in um, Iceland back in... 2001, and I crewed on that film working as a sound boom operator and um, a cook and a driver and things like that. So uh -huh. I kind of got um, hands-on experience about narrative filmmaking from that, and, and I started just writing a small story about a teenager growing up, uh, an, an immigrant, you know, a girl growing up in Los Angeles, just based on my own experience, and then that's yeah, that that was my way into filmmaking. And uh, you also uh, you also did uh, you you have done some other films that uh, that were um, like you were you did a short, for instance, called A Bunny Rabbit. Oh. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, how and, did you know that? And that was um, uh, that was shot by uh, well-known uh, cinematographer Chris Doyle. Uh, right. How, how was that working with him? Oh, it was fantastic. You know, um, it was just, it wasn't anything like formal or anything. He, he knows 
we know a friend of his, and he was in town shooting a big Hollywood film, and he had a day off, and oh. we asked him if he could uh, shoot something for us. And uh, a Bunny Rabbit is a short experimental film that I made back in 2002 or something. So <laughs> um, it was a while back, and, you know, so, yeah, he was just helping us out for a oh, day. Oh, that's great. That's great. So the, your current film that showed at the uh, Asian, uh, the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival <clears throat> is about a, a six-year-old girl, huh? Yes, yes. a six-year-old and uh, her sister, sister. Yeah. four-year-old sister. Uh-huh. And um, some of the stories uh, in the film, are those taken from personal experience? Yeah, it's based on my experience of growing up in Korea when I was uh, a, a child. And and similar to my first film, uh, In Between Days, which is based on my experience of growing up in Koreatown uh, when I was a teenager. So, yeah, I, I drew from my own uh, experiences and kind of, in, you know, the story is inspired by that and let that kind of be the stepping stone. Is it hard to cast uh, such young uh actors yes it was difficult <laughs> but um you know i we had so much uh support from um various friends and families in korea when we were trying to cast you know we got introduction into elementary schools and then teachers and and you know people were pretty open to us coming into the schools to observe kids and they knew that we were uh, legitimate filmmakers in the sense that we weren't there to exploit children or, you know, do any, uh, bring any sense of harm to them. Um, we had our baby daughter with us when we went into schools, so they felt that, you know, since we're parents, that we could actually respect the children that they're, you know, who are in school as well. So You couldn't afford a, baby, a babysitter. You couldn't afford no, a full-time <laughs> babysitter. <laughs> no, we couldn't afford a babysitter during the uh, casting, you know, because we were casting for three months or so, and huh. and uh, we had enough budget to cover babysitting for 29 days when we were shooting, but nothing more. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess, uh, how how was it working there? Uh, was, was there a lot of red tape you had to get through to film in uh, South Korea? Uh, no, I mean, we were, you know, I'm, I'm Korean American, but I, I'm based in New York and, and we had, we had to bring, uh, ha- almost half the crew to South Korea to shoot the film. Wow. But, um, I mean, that, that being like five people total, you know, our yeah. crew was like 12 people total, uh, when we were shooting, but, um, there wasn't that many red tape per se that we had to deal with. We had a fantastic line producer who uh, was based in Korea and he was so meticulous and detailed that I don't think we, I, you know, the production itself or I myself had to go through any red tape, but um, it was pretty rigorous, you know, experience for him uh, personally because he had to take care of so many things, you know, but that the, we didn't have to. But the, act, the, the girls that played uh, were not professional actors. No, they were not professional yeah. actors. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so how long, you said that, how long did it take you to decide to pick on on the main character, Song, Song Hee? Song Hee is the four-year-old, and then uh, Hyun yeah, is a yeah, six-year-old. is a six, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. Well, um, Hyun was actually one of the, you know, top, selection for me from the very beginning just because when I interviewed her she was the one that was very straightforward and very strong personality and she um she has such a strong character and um and and I don't know the questions that she asked me it, it ended up more being an interview that she was having with me than I myself was having with her. And also she wanted, she always wanted a little sister and she asked for a little sister to her parents and they weren't able to provide a little sister for her. So she asked her parents to allow her to be in the movie. So it was something that she wanted to do more than, you know, her parents uh, coaxing her into doing it or I had to, you know, beg her to be in the movie or anything, but she felt that it was something that she wanted to experience. She um, looks like a leader in the film. She's like in charge, it looks like. 
Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know. And um, yeah. And then Songhee was um, somebody that I saw a photograph of her, and I I just completely fell in love with her face, and and I met her, and she's incredibly intelligent, and and she's in uh, foster care in Korea, so. Her personal experience actually parallels the character's experience quite closely. So um, I felt that it was something that I really wanted to work on, you know, and um, she wanted to participate in that, so it was great. You know, I I feel like I learned a lot from both of the girls from uh, working with them. And the uh, mother and the big aunt characters were very strong, huh? They were seasoned, seasoned actors. Yes, they're both um, professional actors, and I had help casting them through Korean director Lee Chang-dong, and yeah, I'm, I'm forever grateful because, um, you know, casting process in, in the States as well as in Korea could be quite um, rigorous and, and long. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, uh, in the story, you t- tell of a missing uh, father, Mm-hmm. Is, is that very? Do you see that as a emblematic of many families, or what? Is that oh, common? Of Korea? Uh, oh, in Korea, or or in Korean American families, or not? Or is uh, it more, no. more, more in Korea? No. no. Um, I don't know. I I wouldn't say it's emblematic of Korean American society or Korean society per se, because you know the story is very particular uh, um, yeah. story that's based on my own experience. Mm. However, I think. You know, the, I, I, I would say that from um, talking with a lot of the audience members throughout different festivals that I've, I've participated in, I think the, the, the family situation that these two girls are in is representative of financial situation of a family. I don't think it really matters if it's um, in Korea or in uh, Argentina or in Germany, per se, although Germany has social welfare system that's much stronger but you know it, it's because mother can't afford to take care of them and keep going on her own on, on her own that she has to do something and and you know it, it goes down to the aunt who's single and divorced and and she's not capable as well so I mean it, it's I think the fact that the children are left with other family members is symptom of a financial situation more than for sure but the situation. of course the extended family comes into play in this right. film. Um, but you don't. Sh- they're not equal, right? I mean, the the grandmother and the aunt. They, right. they both relate differently to the to the grand well, the grand so called grandchildren or or relative right. young kids. Right. Uh, right. Was that? Uh, were you trying to make a point there about <laughs> <laughs> something, <laughs> or was it just um, based on? Yeah. I think it's it's just that I wanted to show, you know, if you um, break it down to characters in my film, there are many women characters who are in different stages of their lives. For know? sure, so yeah. I think that's like the range that I wanted to explore. And I'm not saying that that was my family's experience, but mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to try to give a full palette of what these colorful characters characters are and what their background might be and you know just even if they're not fully uh, realized in the story but there's some sort of an implication of what where they're coming from like grandmother is very strong you know and, and strong farmer and she's always been a farmer and the aunt is you know different type of person than that she's in a town she's not in a uh, small farming village so she's more of a town person and and struggling with her business and you know and then the mom is a city person but she's also struggling in different stages in her life you know so I wanted to just explore different uh, women in different stages of their lives who are struggling with different things but also kind of overlapping in those issues yeah yeah and I like the scene with the kids uh, is it eating uh, grasshoppers Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was that uh, was that did that happen to you when you were young? Oh yeah, in the in the countryside we ate a lot of grasshoppers and we oh. um, caught a lot of them and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you barbecue them too? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Of course, 
actually, I didn't realize this. I mean, we, we did when we were kids, you know, yeah, growing yeah. up in the farm and stuff. But okay. yeah. I think my husband saw a discovery show recently of this guy who's trying to survive in the Arizona desert, and he <laughs> caught grasshoppers, and he was grilling them. And he said that you have to make sure all the insides are grilled, you know, properly, like completely, otherwise you could catch worms from it. <laughs> catch worms? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, wow. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's good that we part grilled them crisp when we were young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the grandmother has them picking, um, you know, herb, uh, herbal uh, mm-hmm. materials uh, right. to, make, to make herbs. Yeah. Wow. So um, it's it's it must be really. Did you want to? Did you did you uh, think that? It, did you want to focus on kids in this film? You wanted to oh. just tell the story. Yes, yeah. yes. It's always been for um, for that perspective, the perspective of Jin and Ben, you know, and be very intimate in their presence and try to convey what they're going through as intimately as possible. So the camera is always on their eye level and also, the you know, what they see and what they feel is how I wanted the, I wanted the audience to feel. So Did, did they get um, nervous with the camera being around all the time? Oh, no, 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 they weren't at all, actually. In the beginning, maybe the first day for a second, and then huh. they wait, they just went right along with that. Oh, wow, yeah, that's really cool. <clears throat> how, yeah. did, how, how was the reception at the film festival uh, when you showed it? Uh, at uh, the Asian, American, Asian Pacific Film Festival? I think it was quite, quite warm, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think it was quite good. We showed the film in San Francisco, Asian Film Festival, and DC Film Festival in LA. Yeah. And I think, I, I think the thing that I noticed from these festivals versus, you know, um, maybe like festival in Berlin or or in, you know, or in Dubai per se is that, um, you know, there's so many um, Asian immigrants in in the West Coast and in California. And, and also Koreans in LA that huh. I think when they see the film it adds another layer of uh, I don't know maybe of uh, understanding per se you know because it goes back to it digs into their own memory um, even if they were born in the United States like somehow it goes it references their mother's experience or their grandparents' experience you know so it's I think it feels a little closer perhaps. yeah it's kind of nostalgia <laughs> for the homeland right yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Right. I think that must be one of the reasons why I wanted to make this film. Yeah. And did have you shown it at uh, many festivals already, huh? Yes, I, it, it's traveled uh, quite a bit, and uh, it's being released in New York now, and it's coming out in L.A. on May 8th at Lanley Music Hall and, and, and Park. So, um, They're both yeah. in L.A., right? Is M Park also in L.A.? Yes, and Park is in Koreatown in oh. L.A., and then I think they're planned to release in San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose um, soon after. It's just that, you know, it's a very small uh, release, so it's very, um, it, it staggers the cities instead of um, releasing it at once. Do you plan to open it in Orange County at all? Oh, yes, it's going to open in Orange County as well on May 8th. I also made. Oh, is it at the? Do you know which uh, venue? I don't remember. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't have the list with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We can put that on the website later. Yeah. Oh, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think it's, yeah. That'd be fantastic if you let the audience know. Yes, we'll definitely okay. do that. Um, okay. Great. Wh- what are your other projects uh, after this film then? Um, um, just kind of writing at the moment and working on a couple of projects that are, um, they're not necessarily personally, personal stories, but something that I feel is, um, yeah, something that I want to tell right now, but I'm still developing, so (laughs) I don't want to say so. Um, I find the writing process the most difficult, um, process of the filmmaking, so, yeah. I'm working on that. In terms of the, was it hard to, I mean, how do you do the subtitling? 
uh, of the <laughs> films? Do you contract it out, or how does that work? Or you do it yourself, or? Well, I write the script in English, and then I have a friend or uh, somebody that I trust translate it to Korean uh, for the past two films. But for subtitling, there's a supporting house in New York that does a really great job. Uh, um, so, the, but it, yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. In the script, then, do the kids mm-hmm. learn the script, or how do they? Are they no. Must, no, they no. must ad lib no, a lot, they, right? No, they just repeat. Basically, the way I set up the um, shoot was that they they would repeat what I say, uh, what I ask them to repeat. Oh, oh. And then um, I took out in the editing my voice because my my voice was all over the sound. Track. Oh yeah, 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 so. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the um, so d- d- it's it's a, a translation house uh, or inter- what do you call it, a subtitling place that does the subtitling, huh? Uh, yes, on the, the film print. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the film print. Yeah, and was it shot with? Uh, was it shot with in digital or how? how, how what did you? It was. Uh, it was shot in Super Sixteen that we transferred oh. to Thirty Five. Oh, oh, yeah, wow. And so that was. Is, is that where the main cost is of doing? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there's the film stock and processing of the film, and then. Uh, digital intermediate of scanning the film into the computer and then printing it back out to 35. I think those are the yeah. really heavy costs in, in using sound versus HD or red camera. Did you you prefer doing it that way? Or? Um, it just that the opportunity to shoot on film came up with this film at the last minute. We were trying to, we were gearing up two weeks before we started um, pre-production to um, shoot on HD, but our fantastic producers found investors in New York who would allow us to shoot on film. Oh. So, huh. And I felt that for this kind of story and shooting in Korea, I really wanted to shoot on film. So, yeah, it, it all just came together at the last minute. And I'm I'm not sure if I'll have another chance to work on film in my next films, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm what, glad I got this opportunity. Why do you say shooting in Korea? You wanted to shoot in film? Yeah, because I just I, I guess it goes back to you know nostalgia or <laughs> memory uh, yeah. dealing with memory is that I I thought it'd be so much uh, richer for the film if we got to shoot on film. Yeah, 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 for sure. Just the look and. Yeah, the grain and, and just, yeah, the colors, the country. Yeah, yeah, they're very rich, yeah. Did you, um, when you, sh- have you shown it in Korea already? Yes, it showed in October last year at the Pusan Film Festival, just a limited, you know, just single yeah. screening. Um, and, yeah, it was really great. All the actors came out and the crew came out to see the film. So Did they bring all their it. friends? <laughs> Did the kids they, bring well, their they, no, not not <laughs> at Busan because they live in Seoul, but the oh, yeah, parents yeah, came the and they got to see the work that they've done, and it was you know it was fantastic to share the experience. Do you plan a DVD release uh, soon, or, or are you waiting for more uh, release in the theaters first? I think there will be you know ten or uh, ten or twelve cities that films going to be released in art house theaters. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think the DVD is uh, to be really coming out in July, end of June or July. Oh wow! Oh, that's soon. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Do you? Um, why? Why the title of the film? Why was it? Um, because when I first read it, I my eyes must be bad because I thought it was tireless mountain. <laughs> I said, "Wow, it shows well, uh, you know climbing a mountain or something." <laughs> no, something. I don't know what it meant, but uh, so uh, for a long time I, I thought it was tireless. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know why, but I think uh, when I was first developing the story or remembering my childhood, I, I, I mean, at first I took this writing class that um, I wrote a short story about these two girls who were grilling grasshoppers and selling them to their friends. And then um, I was doing some drawing and I drew this you know, a hill, and then these two girls on top, and I wrote Tree This Mountain on it. 
oh. on the sketch. So, and then, oh. you know, for some reason, the title stuck throughout the whole writing process. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Because my, my first film, which is um, called In Between Days, I didn't have that title until two weeks before the film was finished um, editing. So it took a long time to have that title for the first film. But for this film, it's always been Treeless Mountain, and it stayed until the, until the very end. Um, and I think it's, it's, it was something that um, I you know, started using in the beginning to write the story thinking what how will, you know, the task for me was how can these two girls survive when they're, when they're, when they're on Treeless Mountain? How, what does that mean? You know, how, how can they survive? What is their faith? And what is their hope? And how do they keep going, you know, in their life? So to me it was more like uh, posing a question, you know, throwing it out there, like what, what is this, um, what kind of life can they lead? And so it, it, it was more that kind of... Um, you know, question for me, and then it it just stayed with the film. Do you think in Korea um, there is support for independent filmmaking, or is it? Uh, I mean, I know Korean films are very popular in Asia now, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are independent films also being supported over there? Um, I think they're trying to. I think uh, from what we have seen in Toronto Film Festival and Berlin. Yeah. Is that there are there are a handful of independent films that are coming out of Korea, but when we were shooting in Korea and also to get um, Cheerless Mountain uh, supporters in Korean production was incredibly difficult because they don't they weren't doing independent uh, production, so we did not receive any support from COFIC, which is the Korean governing uh, body that gives uh, support to films. And you know, we we uh, luckily had some friends who were filmmakers who, but, you know, who gave us a lot of help. Mm. But um, I know from our experience of shooting the film in 2007, at that point, there wasn't that much support for independent filmmaking, filmmakers, and filmmaking style in that country. Yeah, in I know. Korea. Yeah, I know. Kofik sends a lot of videos to libraries. Uh, I'm a librarian, and they mm-hmm. every year they send packages to, mm-hmm. to the library of the newest uh, Korean films and they have a magazine and they have you know lots of lots of uh, a yearbook of Korean film and, mm-hmm. but they seem very major productions yeah. yes yes that's that's um, what has been going on but I think there are some new policies that they're uh, installing but I'm not sure what that may be oh, oh, um, oh. So, um, were you happy that you got to film over there rather than doing it over here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the the story for me has always been set in Korea, and we shot it in my hometown. So, there was no doubt in my mind that if I got a chance to make this film, that I would shoot in Korea and shoot it in my hometown. So, if I was going to make this film at all, it was going to be there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy, and I'm incredibly thankful that it happened when, you know, and when and how it happened, and I'm thankful to the team who made it happen, the crew and the cast and the producers. So, yes, it's, it's, um, it's a very um, privileged um, position to be able to tell a story and have support from people who care about the story. So the DVD release will be, you're, you're saying it will come out pretty soon. Is it, did you, uh, so you're finished with the festival circuit, basically? Um, I think we're, what we're doing, the reason we were in D.C. was to support the film previously before it gets released. Um, you know, just have an uh, excited preview screening before it comes out. So I think the film domestically is going to Seattle Film Festival, uh. and then there I think a handful of other international film festivals that you will participate in, but in the in North America, pretty much, I think we're focusing on the release right now. Other parts of Asia, will you show in uh, at festivals in other parts of Asia? Well, it's already shown in uh, Tokyo, and it was shown in Taiwan. Oh, showed in Hong Kong. It was in Busan. Yeah, and 
let's see, I, well, and then, you know, and then South America, we, we recently showed in Argentina, and then it's been sold in, our, in South American territories. So. Oh, wow. Huh. Wow, so you already, <laughs> yeah, had a great, great range, yeah. Yes, okay. and it, yes, it was in Sydney, and then it was in Dubai, and it, it was shown in Greece and London, I believe, in the fall. So, huh. yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, the film has traveled quite a bit and covering, uh, yeah, some territories now. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on the show, and oh, uh, good luck. So uh, and the show opens uh, May 8th uh, in L.A., and you said in Orange County also. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, and hopefully the listeners will go and, and see the film. Thank you. Thank you. We'll so keep much. in touch. Bye bye. Okay, thank great. You. Thank bye. you. Uh, so that was uh, director of a film uh, called uh, Treeless Mountain, uh, director um, So Yong Kim, a Korean American director who uh, made the film in Busan. Uh, Korea, and the film is opening uh, on May 8th this week, um, and we'll post the information of where it's playing in Orange County um, <clears throat> on our website at kuci.org slash tilde, D-T-S-A-N-G, or kuci.org slash subversity. Uh, both ways you can get to our website. Uh, this week we're doing our uh, this week and next week we actually uh, or last week we've been doing our KUCI fun drive and it's our 40th anniversary of the station um, so call in at 824-5824 area code 949 to pledge or you can go online at KUCI.org and click on the 40th anniversary pledge drive fun drive to find out what kind of premiums are available for you to support this station and also shows like this. This is Dan Zhang signing off for Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thank you for our guests on the show to uh, uh, Grace Rowe who was uh, on the show. She's an actress and writer and producer for I Am That Girl and for director So Yong Kim, treeless director of Treeless Mountain, whose both of whose films both films are uh, showed at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, and will be released uh, uh, for uh, in theaters for limited runs uh, coming up. This is Dan Zhang signing off for Subversity.